2: Hey friends, thanks for being with me on yet another program, Afternoons with Mike here on the Shepherd Radio Network. Most of you know that I spent 17 years from 02 to 19 living in the Gainesville area, Alachua County. Had three of my kids become Gators during that time and graduated from UF. We absolutely love it up there. I was also the benefactor of many great friendships, not only in our church, but outside of our church at other fellowships. One of those friends that I gained is Mark Mink, and he is my guest today. Mark, welcome back to the program.
0: Mike, thank you so much. It's great to have this opportunity to visit with you and uh, share with your listeners. And yes, it was a beautiful time that... uh, we had you and your precious bride and your family in Gainesville. We miss you, but uh, we're, we're still connected, uh, even from a distance. But uh, we miss you in our community for sure.
2: Well, I, I miss you guys too, and I get to go up there regularly. We're going to have to do some lunch on one of those trips up. So this will be really, this will really be great for our listeners who may not realize. Mark has really commandeered uh, an effort. He has commanded this thing from from the heart. And it was an effort to get an amendment on the Florida State Constitution. But first of all, you have to do that, you have to get it onto the ballot. And for two cycles now, this group and Mark's amendment, it was called the Human Life Protection Amendment. You've heard about it on my own radio program. You may have heard about it through other uh, attempts, uh, the, the, the previous attempt when a lot of uh, people I know were really pushing hard to get it. But uh, sadly, I know that this deadline that's coming up on Thursday is is coming without this thing coming to fruition. And I know, I just want to say to you, you have given two election cycles to this effort. What, about five years, right? Is it, Has it been that long?
0: That's right. It's actually been six years since I attended wow. that men's prayer breakfast in Gainesville that uh, really prompted all, the, all this action.
2: That's right. I was there that day, and I played— For that men's prayer breakfast, uh, a a video that I think really had an impact on you, and it was the video that was involving BBs, and each BB would be representative of what I can't remember, was it uh, 10,000 deaths? And it's just an amazing amount of uh, impact that comes from watching that video.
0: Well, and I'll tell you, Mike, it was even more impactful than that because um, there was no announcement made when you played that. And if I recall, it wasn't the video. It was just the audio. And uh, I listened to it hundreds of times since and played it in presentations across the state. But this uh, each BB representing 10,000 lives lost in the wars of America's past. And then uh, it goes through every war from the American Revolution to the war on terror, in 9/11, and then the big finale of this uh, audio clip is uh, all of the BBs representing all the lives lost since the Roe v. Wade decision. And uh, in that moment, in that moment, Mike, I was moved from place of conviction on the issue of the protection of the preborn to a position of deep anguish, and left that meeting forever changed, knowing that I had to do more than what I had been doing. So. Uh, you were used instrumentally, my friend, uh, in in this effort kicking off uh, throughout the state of Florida.
2: Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I was there just kind of representing CIRA and one of the great organizations. Now I'm on the Board of Choices here in the Orlando area, and I, I just so appreciate these groups. They are filled with people like you who really have taken this thing to heart and really have invested deeply with your own time your own money your own uh career being put on hold somewhat uh for this effort and it is is it's kind of it's really a a perplexing thing that's the word i'm looking for when we think about how important life is and yet we have this issue that is it appears to be going to go on the ballot in November, uh, that would be on the other side. That's actually pushing for uh, codifying abortion at the state level, like what happened in in Ohio. And you wonder. I mean, I know it does. It it makes us wonder. I trust God's sovereignty. I know God is at work. I know that He's not out of the step on all of this. God never. He's good. And yet we wonder why some things happen the way they do. And I know you've had to deal with that at a level that I can't even imagine. But it is important, first of all, to say to you, Mark, and to Deborah and all your family, because I know you guys have all invested deeply. Thank you for the efforts. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for the hours and hours and the the years of hard work and really forsaking other things that you could have been doing that would have brought you much more financial benefit than what you've done. Uh, thank you for how you've been a, a part of that and that you've led the way. So I think we all should say thank you to to you, man.
0: Well, I, I appreciate that, Mike. And I will just tell you, it's been a privilege and an honor uh, to serve the Lord in this capacity. Uh, I believe it was John Adams that said that uh, the duty is ours, but the results are God's. And, you know, when I look just at uh, just the simplicity of uh, the word of God and how clear it and is, I'm looking at Proverbs chapter 24, starting in verse 10. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Then it goes on to say, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay a man according to his work? And so for me, you know, that morning that I attended that prayer breakfast, and I was there because I had been invited by another uh, dear friend of ours, a mutual friend, and I was just going to support the event. I was a pro-life guy. I've been a pro-life guy my whole life. And um, so I didn't go with really any other motivation other than to be there in support of the event.
1: Mm -hmm. And it was a
0: beautiful morning, but for me to walk in as someone who up to that point had really just been uh, supporting, you know, our local pregnancy resource center, CIRA and just trying to seek out candidates that I thought had the right answer on the issue of life. That was really the extent of my, Action or activism, so to speak, mm-hmm. on behalf of the preborn, and, and while it's it's important to support our local pregnancy resource centers, and it's important to uh, seek out lawmakers that have the right answer on the issue of life, you know, I left that morning knowing that for me there was more to do. I, I had to give an account for what had happened in my heart that morning, and so it, it has been a privilege and an honor. And while the Result of it is not what we had hoped in terms of this looming deadline just, you know, two days from now, Mm -hmm. and us not being anywhere near where we need to be to qualify. Uh, We know that none of it has been in vain. And obviously, um, one of the greatest benefits for me personally has been having the opportunity to see kind of the inside sneak behind the curtain, so to speak, of what's happening in the pro life movement in Florida what's happening legislatively, judicially, uh, within the churches, within the pregnancy resource centers, within just the hearts and minds of Floridians that are leading this nation in the direction we saw in Ohio and actually have us in a place now where there's the very real possibility that uh, a proposal to codify abortion within our Constitution might appear before Florida voters. So it's a very important time for people who are life-minded Uh, to have their eyes opened uh, to what's going on, uh, which is the the last part of that proverb I just read. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it?
2: Yeah. Well, we need to have our eyes open to it. And really there's a a lot of reasons why I believe some people are a bit surprised. Maybe I I could say that about Ohio. I've uh, had a strong feeling that there's a lot of people in Ohio that voted for that thing. They did it without a lot of investigation. I believe they voted it on basically intel that they had been told by a less than, let's say, honorable petition seeker who was holding a clipboard and told them, hey, do you believe in women's health? And of course, the answer would be most people, believers, would say, absolutely. And I think a lot of people probably signed their name on that petition, that got it in. And we know, and you know more than anybody what it takes to get one of those ballot initiatives that is basically coming. There's, there's two ways to do it the way you tried to do it and work so hard at it. But then there's the other way. And the, the, the George Soroses of the world and those that put a lot of money out there will just basically finance it to be done. And that's kind of what's happened in Florida. And a lot of these people in Ohio now they they've signed that petition. I'm pretty convinced, Mark, and I'd bet you would believe the same. I think a lot of residents of Ohio are going are really maybe suffering from buyer's remorse at what happened in that election.
0: Yeah, I think uh, there's truth to that. I think there's two things we have to look at. You know, I was listening to a podcast uh, shortly after the reversal of the Roe v. Wade decision and, uh, Albert Moeller was presenting kind of what's going on since then in our nation. And he said something that, uh, really st- stuck with me. He said that, uh, Roe may have been reversed, but it still reigns supreme in the hearts of Americans. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, he, he just was really pointing out to the fact that, um, that almost 50 years of having that uh, decision in place in our nation, uh, you know, the law is a teacher. And um, when when generations of young men and young women grow up in a nation where they're being taught in their civics classes or they're being taught through the culture or they're being taught uh, just through their experience or through the media or through Hollywood, uh, that 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 there is somehow this constitutional right to terminate the life of a preborn child uh, that's related to someone's personal privacy. Uh, When they grow up hearing that and believing it uh, and seeing it as a right that they have, then when the court makes the decision to reverse it, it doesn't reverse the heart and mind of the individual that has bought into that lie for decades. That's right. And, you know, I mean, even the governor of our state uh, was not even born yet when the Roe decision was decided. So many of our uh, legislative elected officials, governors, senators, congressmen, congresswomen, um, many of them, um, that's all they've ever known. And so, um, you know, when the Roe decision was reversed, many in the pro-life movement took a victory lap for a year. And then those in the on the other side of that issue that want abortion on demand to be the law of the land, they got busy and got to work and got angry, mm-hmm. and they approached it from the standpoint that something had been stolen or arrested or taken from them uh, and that they had to fight to get it back. So there was a lot of energy and passion in that camp uh, that was not met with equal energy and passion, unfortunately, on the life side. So. I'll pause there for a moment and get your feedback, and I'll share some more thoughts on that. No,
2: I completely agree with you, and I can even attest that locally in Orlando, where I am now based, that that very thing happened. I mean, there was always resistance to um, those that would be for pro-life, and there are there people that would stand out in front and have for years uh, in front of the uh, of the abortion clinic here, and and really just uh, appeal to the women who are going in there. Please consider another option, and they were so faithful to doing that. Well, after Roe fell, uh, those people that thought that the pro-life movement had won were, were deeply surprised to find out that exactly what you said took place. There was a great uh, gathering of people on the other side, and now those people— They showed up in earnest at that abortion clinic. And since they had the open door to the clinic, they kind of took the whole thing up and amped it up on the other side uh, like about five times. And so now you have have a a percentage of people pro-abortion that are much louder, and they can be much louder. They're much louder at the permission level of the abortion clinic. And so that's just one way. The, the intimidation is another thing that they would do. They would um, they would show up and they're out there with uh, bullhorns and they're out there with uh, just great numbers of people. And it is sad in a real way to see that the pro-abortion movement has outworked the pro-life movement in that way. They They just have. And there's more money on that side. Again, that is just a sad reality. And Mark, you bumped up against that. I mean, you, you didn't have paid people who were getting fat paychecks to uh, go out and gain uh, signatures. I mean, that just didn't happen because it, it was a different style and a different approach that had to be done. And, you know, it is it's a wake-up call to us all to realize that Ohio happened, but it didn't happen in a vacuum. The same no. thing that happened in Ohio could well potentially be happening right now. In fact, they've already gotten the amount of ballots needed, uh, petitions needed to put this thing on. And I guess it's all now up to the language of that uh, thing being divided by uh, decided upon by the Sup- Supreme Court of Florida, that whether or not that's going to uh, pass the muster. But it looks like it will.
0: Well, let me speak to Ohio. Um, I know we're uh, getting short on time in this segment, so I'll keep this brief, and then we can talk about it some more after the break. But, uh, you know, you talked about buyer's remorse, and it's interesting because, um, you know, for me, having led an effort uh, over the last five years throughout the state as the citizen who initiated the Human Life Protection Mm -hmm. Amendment, I've become quite. Um, and I'm trying to be careful how I say this. I don't ever like to paint myself as a subject matter expert, but I've been living and breathing this for five years. Oh um, no I'm doubt. Very familiar with the process is I guess the point I'm making. And and yet, ironically, and and I've been a lifetime Floridian. Um, up until um Christmas time last year, just a few months ago, I had never been approached. By a paid petition gatherer. Um, so, for anything, you know, gambling, marijuana, abortion, nothing. I've never been approached. And I've, I've had people that's told me, you know, about uh, their experiences with paid petition gatherers around the state. So, the short version of this, um, with my eye on the clock here, is that um, my wife and I and our family were at a um, at a Christmas parade in a very small town, conservative area up in North Florida. And we noticed a couple of guys walking down the street with clipboards. It turns out they were paid petition gatherers Mm -hmm. circulating uh, the abortion amendment. And they stopped at every small group up and down that road—grandparents, aunts and uncles, people that were watching their kids in the parade—and it seemed like almost without exception, every small group stopped and took the time to sign the petition. Yeah. Um, When they got to me, I had my first interaction with a paid petitioner, and maybe good to pause here and i can share the rest of this later
2: yeah let's do and because i'm up against a break that's a good stopping point because now you've got me intrigued as to what happened in your conversation i can tell you about mine as well but uh, i want to hear from yours when we get back this is afternoons with mike my guest today mark mink I'll be back with Mark in just a moment. If you're a Christian business person and you want to meet people who want to do business with you, you need to join the Central Florida Christian Chamber of Commerce. Why? Because the mission of the Christian Chamber is to build kingdom, business, and community. And it all starts with the Christian principle of building relationships. To learn more about the Christian Chamber and all the different ways you can get engaged with hundreds of other Central Florida Christian business people, visit cfchristianchamber.com or call 407 407- 407 258-3578. With me, my good friend, Mark Mink from Gainesville. Mark has been the state chairman, is the state chairman, for the Protect Human Life Florida Amendment. And that was the effort for the last couple of cycles to get a ballot initiative Uh, where it would be before the voters to vote for pro-life. And we're not talking about just pre-born. We're talking about something that affected all life, even those that are older, because we know that the other end of the spectrum of life is also somewhat uh, of concern to a lot of people with with the whole thing of euthanasia. And, and so there this is a, a complete life cycle concern. And Mark Mink has been the state chairman for this. And the deadline is the first, which is now two days away, February 1. And as Mark has said, and it is a sad reality that we're way low on the amount of of ballot signatures to get that onto the ballot. So this is now, this effort is coming to an end. What is not over is the fact that there are some remaining expenses. And here's going to be a heartfelt appeal that I would love for you all to pray about and consider. Uh, there are some expenses that, that can be wiped out very easily by our listeners. Uh, if they were to go to humanlifefl.com, that's H-U-M-A-N-L-I-F-E-F-L.com, and there's a donate link right there, a button to press, and if you can give any amount at all right now to help uh, kind of close out these two election cycles worth of expenses, I know Mark would be so appreciative, and his team as well, but um, that is something that is there. And uh, you, you, these things we've seen and we talked about in our last segment, how the fact that those that uh, have paid for this amendment that could potentially be on our ballot this November in Florida, that would be a pro-abortion amendment, has been paid for royally by millions of dollars. And Mark and his team have put their, uh, their necks on the line and we really want to help them. So if you could donate, I know Mark would appreciate it. Again, that's humanlifefl.com, humanlifefl.com. Click on the donate button. All right. At the end of the segment, Mark, you were telling us that you were at this parade, this event, and now you're being approached for the first time from a paid petition gatherer. What happened?
0: So it's just fascinating because, and having watched this uh, individual on one side of the road, and then the other one on the other side of the road, stopping at every kind of small family group. And, um, you know, it was pretty clear to me because there's only so many initiatives trying to get on the ballot at any given time that it was, even before I knew, I assumed it was the abortion amendment uh, paid petitioners. So, you know, we're in this small A conservative community. And rather than everybody rejecting the opportunity to do it, and these people working themselves down the road pretty quickly, they're stopping at every small group. And I see people filling out the petition. So uh, he got to me and I said, Hey, what do you got? You know, what do you have here? And he said, Oh, this is a petition to protect women's rights. And I said, Oh, well, what will it do? And, you know, he handed me a clipboard and he just kind of explained what it would do from his perspective. Uh, obviously I know very well what it would do. In fact, I'll just read you the first sentence of their uh, of their ballot summary from their petition. It says the title is Amendment to to limit government interference with abortion. And the first sentence says, no law shall prohibit, penalize, delay, or restrict abortion before viability or when necessary to protect the patient's health, as determined by the patient's health care provider. So yeah, I asked him a couple of questions and he didn't have the right answer. Um, and so I had to, I had to assume that he was doing one of two things. He would, he was either intentionally misleading me or he truly didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if he had been a volunteer, not a paid gatherer, I would have maybe given him a pass with the idea that he just didn't know. But, Our understanding was that many of these paid petitioners were being paid up to $50 an hour to circulate this petition.
2: Yeah, they were paid well.
0: You would think that for $50 an hour, the gentleman would know the answer to the most basic questions that I presented. And then I asked him if I could see the full text of the document, because on the petition, there's a line that says, see separate document for the full text of the proposed constitutional amendment. And he said he didn't have it, which – struck me as odd as well, because when our volunteers would go out with their clipboards, we would ask them to just put the full text on the back of the clipboard if they were in a situation where they were asking people to sign it. But this is a paid gatherer that should have had the full text available. Um, Obviously, I didn't sign it, and he kept going. But it dawned on me, Mike, that the people who signed this petition at this this, um, parade, this Christmas parade, were doing it by and large, based on what they were being told by the petitioner. Now, granted, the language was right in front of them. They All of them could have read it. But what are you doing when you're going to a parade? Your grandchildren are coming down the road. You're not focused on reading a petition. You're just there enjoying your day. And so these are the types of events that the paid petitioner. petitioners go to, the county fair, the, the parade, the art show. People are busy. They're focused on other things. They tell them something. It sounds good. The person fills the petition out. And how many hundreds of thousands were turned in, to your point, just like Ohio, from Floridians that did not have a single clue what they had just lent
2: their signature to? Oh, I am convinced that's the case. And I think that you've been very, very generous in your descriptions of that individual in even thinking the best, because, again, you're right, they're supposed to be paid, they should have the answers. If something is said, see the attached uh, document, and they don't have the attached document, then that it really does start to look like a purposeful m- manipulation, which, Mark, I believe that without a doubt that that's exactly how they're painting it. And they're doing that purposefully, be- because I don't think they really care. I mean, uh, that's my opinion now. I don't really think a lot of them really care about what people are thinking. All they're wanting is the signature. And here is another side of this that's really uh, mind boggling to me, Mark, when I think about it, how often people will sign their name on something just to get rid of the person that's standing there with the clipboard. They Mm -hmm. they will go ahead and do it just to alleviate themselves of a just the hassle of it, because that's what it is in that moment. You're at a parade. Like you said, you're at a parade. Who wants to be having to think about something that's going to be on a November ballot when you're at the Christmas parade? And yet that's what they'll do. And a lot of them will simply sign their name just to not be inconvenienced. And that is, I believe, a lot of uh, the percentage of these people. They either did not know what they signed at all or they didn't want to be bothered with it and they signed it. And sadly, now we're left with the aftermath and cleaning up this mess is going to be much harder if that ballot goes to uh, if that amendment goes to the ballot and people vote for it. Now we're left with something that is much, much harder to ever turn around and get on the other side. And the people in Ohio are, are really going to see that in this next year. They're going to see well, it.
0: And, and, and let's talk about that um, because the same process that is employed to get the signatures becomes the same process that is employed to encourage, and I'm putting that in quotes because The right word would be deceive, to deceive Florida voters into voting yes on an amendment like this. Because Mm -hmm. when you look at the website uh, for this organization, um, they present, and they've never changed their website. They've got three stories on the homepage of their website that are sad stories of women who were pregnant, had some sort of medical complication, and chose to have an abortion. And apparently, the Legislation passed um, by the Florida legislature, the 15-week ban from a couple of legislative cycles ago were causing these women some sort of a challenge where they felt that the government had overreached. And so uh, that became the foundation of their uh, proposal. But yet the language of their proposed amendment would essentially provide for a constitutional right to abort a preborn child, essentially up to the point of Birth. Uh, childbirth
1: yeah, uh, right. under
0: certain circumstances. And, yeah. and they, it, what's interesting when you compare the, the language between our proposed amendment and theirs, the first sentence of our proposed amendment says, the ballot summary says, an amendment recognizing the God given right to life of the preborn individual. Defines preborn individual as a preborn human person at any stage of development. Ironically, nothing in the text of our amendment has the word abortion in it. And ironically, nothing in the text of their proposed amendment has the word life in it. So we weren't, our proposal was simply. That we believe that the right to life of the preborn human person is God given and should be recognized in our state constitution. Their proposal is that the right to terminate the life of a preborn child should basically not be interfered on by anything. Mm-hmm. It should be the right of the woman who is pregnant to terminate that preborn life up to the point of viability for any reason with no restriction. And beyond that, if a healthcare care provider deems that the – and they don't even say woman or mother. They say the patient. How do they word it? They say if the um, – uh, to protect the patient's health as determined by the patient's healthcare care provider. Mm-hmm. So this dovetails into what's happening now. With the only obstacle remaining in front of them, which is the decision of the Florida Supreme Court as to whether or not they're going to be able to appear on the ballot. And if it's okay, Mike, I'd like to give your listeners just the, in the time we have in this segment.
2: Oh, I um, would love this, Mark. Yeah,
0: j- just some background. So, you know, we've already talked about the fact that the first big hurdle is to to get on the ballot or, or to get the petitions required. And, and I want to be clear, and I want to be fair. To the abortion amendment proponents, that I do believe that there are easily a million plus Florida voters that clearly understand what their proposal would do, that would sign their petition. Uh, I do believe that many of the petitions they got, they received by not being forthright with voters. Mm -hmm. But um, they accomplished your objective in eight eight months because they started late in the process. If they were going for a full two-year cycle. I don't have any doubt that they'd be able to get a million-plus signatures from abortion-minded Floridians that fully understand what their proposal would do uh, and would be willing to lend their name to it. But I also believe that there's a million-plus Florida voters that agree with our proposal. The difference was we didn't have the funding to pay the petition gatherers to go to every little small-town parade and fair across the state of Florida. and so. We didn't get enough people to even become aware of our proposal, which is the most frustrating part. We're still getting emails and still getting phone calls, still having people reach out, asking us what the deadline is, telling us they just found out about it, and asking what they can do to help. Mm -hmm. And I can predict, because we've been through this now for two cycles, that that will happen for the next six months to a year. We're going to continue getting petitions in the mail. We're going to continue having people reach out to us that don't even know that the deadline has passed, that were never even aware that we were engaged in this until recently. And that's the most frustrating part is the fact that we don't believe that there's a resistance to Floridians to sign our petition. The problem we had was just making them aware of it. And that's where the big money you talked about comes into play. So I know, again, I'm watching the clock, and I know we don't have a lot of time left in this segment, but – The the, the reality right now is that as of today, looking at the Division of Elections website, uh, the Amendment to Limit Government Interference with Abortion, which is what they titled their ballot summary, has 993,416 validated petitions. They've met all their geographic requirements. They've met their big number. And there's one hurdle left. Mm -hmm. It's the Florida Supreme Court. And And that
2: has to do with the language itself.
0: Has to do with the language because on uh, October 9th of last year, their language was sent to the Florida Supreme Court. And on February the 7th, which is next week, the Florida Supreme Court is gonna hear oral arguments. It's my understanding that it's gonna be a 40 minute proceeding, 20 minutes for. 20 minutes against. I don't know who gets to go first. But Mm -hmm. basically, attorneys for this amendment are going to make their case to the Florida Supreme Court in Tallahassee why they believe that their language meets all the requirements for this type of initiative and should be allowed to appear on the ballot in November. And then opponents of this proposed amendment are going to make the case for why they believe that the language does not qualify and should not appear on the ballot. And then the Florida Supreme Court is going to have to render a decision by April 1st of this year, and it could happen the next week. It could happen within a number of days, or it might happen on March 31st. But sometime between February 7th and April 1st of this year, the Florida Supreme Court is going to either say, yes, this can appear on the ballot, Or no, it cannot. I can pause here if you want. And then when we pick up on the next break, um, I can go into a little more detail on that and another Supreme Court looming decision, both of which have tremendous implications for the protection of pre-born human life in the state of Florida.
2: They really do. We've got just a minute left in this segment, but I, I do want to just point out what Mark said is is so powerfully important. And if we learned anything from Ohio, if the Supreme Court of Florida... The state Supreme Court says yes to this amendment, and he goes on. If we've learned anything at all from Ohio, it is going to be really surprising to have that thing turn out any way other than it passing strongly, because it won with a decided amount of votes and you know, one has to even wonder about all of that. I know there's lots of conjecture out there about uh, uh, the fair of voting. Is that ever even going to happen again? Is this going to be legit? But I, I believe what you said is true. That if if the Florida states the, the Florida Supreme Court puts it on the ballot, it more than likely is going to get voted on in a positive way and that's why this is so critical so we need to be busy right now praying for our state justices of the florida supreme court let's pray for them this is a big decision it's going to be again very difficult to turn this one around once it goes in and we know that it took 50 years to overturn roe v Wade. 50 almost 50 full complete years. Mark Mink is my guest. I'll be back with Mark in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Join host Mike Gilland for The Shepherd at Work, every Saturday morning at 10:05 a.m. You will be introduced to a marketplace leader that will help you learn to walk out your faith wherever you live and work. The Shepherd at Work is sponsored by the Central Florida Christian Chamber, building kingdom business and community throughout our area. That's the Shepherd at Work, this Saturday morning at 10.05 a.m. Mark Mink is my guest today. Mark is the state chairman of the Protect Human Life Florida uh, committee that's been out there, and he is the chairman of this. He has uh, been the person that's carried the burden for this effort to try to get a pro-life amendment that will protect uh, as a part of the state amendment for the state of Florida, uh, human life at all levels, but especially at its most vulnerable level. And that is when it, this life is still in the womb. And uh, again, that deadline for getting that petition number, that count of uh, close to a million uh, was, it is this coming Thursday. So it's just a couple of days away. And we know now that it's not going to happen uh, are there. We're just way short. And so now eyes are turning on to what's what the other side is doing and how we see the difference. Marx has been a true citizen initiative, and it's a difficult thing to do. I mean, anyone will that that's ever tried it will tell you it's nigh on to impossible. But the other side has employed a much more winnable situation, but it cost millions, multiple millions of dollars. And that's hiring people, like you said, paid ballot uh, harvesters that go out to events, they go out to big concerts. they stand out in the parking lot of publics. That's where I was approached. and And so they have been paid. Well, uh, an hourly rate that ranges up to what Mark said was $50 an hour to go out. And in some cases, either unintentionally misleading or, and, and I don't know if this is the case or not, purposefully omitting things that that should be told to people. So people are signing these petitions. They're doing it with uh, without any kind of oversight there's no one standing there to correct them if they don't and oftentimes, times many times pe- people sign it thinking they've helped women's rights they've helped women's health and they haven't so one final thing before we go back to mark there are some end of the cycle expenses here uh the the florida protect human life of, of florida amendment cause has some outstanding expenses that all of us can help. And if if everyone can join in and help a little bit, it's going to really, really help Mark immensely. And if you'd like to donate to that, that's humanlifefl.com. There's a donate button right there, humanlifefl.com. And whatever amount you could give, I know Mark would appreciate it. Okay, so we've got this big decision, Mark. And, you know, just kind of looking at the things that are out there, We, you mentioned the 15-week ban that was like part of the trigger law that happened when Roe v. Wade fell. Then the the uh, legislature in Florida had already passed this thing, but they they held it until to find out if Roe v. Wade was actually going to fall, and it did. And the moment it did, this law went into effect that says now 15-week ban. But, you know, sadly, Mark, and you know this better than anybody, most abortions happen well into first trimester. So 15 weeks is outside of that that first trimester. And uh, so it, as good as that 15-week law ban was, um, it it was not enough to stop a lot of abortions. Secondly, when Roe v. Wade held all these states around Florida, they had trigger laws that were much more uh, expansive than what Florida's trigger law was. And so may, that made Florida almost the destination place in the southeast to come to get an abortion within 15 mm-hmm. weeks. So that's been going against the pro-life movement. And then now the governor has passed this, this bill, signed this bill, but it's held up in the Supreme Court. That would be a six-week ban. So I know you can speak to that as well. So we've got the six-week ban and we have the language to the ballot initiative that may come on. Can you speak to both of those?
0: Absolutely. And, Mike, you did a good job uh, summarizing that. There's a lot of moving parts in Florida right now, and I'm going to probably start talking a little faster to get a a lot of information in in the remaining time we have. And so here's kind of the long and short of it. Um, You know, our effort began in frustration with the Florida legislature not really wanting to touch the issue of life, even though we had Uh, what would have been characterized as pro-life majorities in the House and Senate and self-proclaimed pro-life governors. And so we started circulating our petition initially uh, as a form of what I call legislative bypass surgery. You know, it's one thing for a lawmaker to propose a bill that would protect pre-born life. It's another thing to get the leadership in the House and Senate to agree and to get it through the committees and to get it passed onto the floor and and then, uh, you know, get it to the governor's desk. And so Um, We were grateful to see our governor and our legislature take action finally in 2022. But to your point, when they uh, passed this 15-week ban, they created an unintended consequence, which is our becoming a haven state. And so right now, for example, to give your listeners some context, last year, 2023, was the first full year since the Roe v. Wade decision was reversed in Mid year, the year before 2022. So last year, 2023, there's an agency in Florida called the Agency for Healthcare Administration, and they're reporting currently that last year in Florida, there were 78,250 abortions reported to have been performed in the state of Florida. 78,250. This is after the Roe v. Wade reversal, and with a full year of a 15 week ban in place. So yeah. what is going on? Okay? So you just touched on it earlier, a 15 week ban for your listeners. Here's if you're listening to my voice right now, here's what I want you to understand. When you hear any legislative body pass a bill that has the word ban in it related to the issue of the protection of preborn life, it's you have to look at the other side of the equation because if they say it's a 15 week ban, they're saying that they're banning the abortion procedure after 15 weeks. And that's going to save some lives. And we're grateful for every life to save. But the flip side of that is it is permitting, it is allowing legally the termination of preborn human life up to 15 weeks. Right. Well, what does that mean in Florida? Well, to your point, because you said it earlier, and I'll just give you the percentages. Approximately 95 percent of all the abortions performed in the state of Florida happened before 15 weeks gestation. Right. So a 15 week ban is saving about five percent of preborn lives from abortion minded young women.
2: And people who and, in legislation, they would call that a handshake of uh, legislation right there. It's really well, only doing got, that.
0: You've got presidential candidates suggesting we need a 15 week federal ban. So they're they're conceding 95% of the field to the abortion industry. And, and the promise is, well, we'll pass this and we'll come back later and we'll do a six-week and then we'll do something else and then we'll do something else. So what's happening in Florida is that we've been regulating abortion rather than just trying to end it and stop the killing. Mm-hmm. So in regulating it, this 15-week ban that went into place created a haven state status Where now, of this 78,250 abortion deaths that happened so far, as as of the reporting, because the final numbers won't be in until April, so it could be over 80,000, 7,000 of those came from out of state. So about 10% of the total abortion deaths that were performed in Florida came from out-of-state residents coming to Florida because we were the path of least resistance in the southeast. And that is shameful Mm -hmm. and horrific, right? And so now, last year, in the last year's legislative session, they passed a six-week ban that had a trigger tied to the outcome of the Supreme Court case ruling on the 15-week ban. Because when the 15-week ban went into effect in 2022, when Roe was reversed, Planned Parenthood and the ACLU immediately – pushed back in the Florida court saying that it was unconstitutional because of the privacy right Right. that was approved by Florida voters decades ago. And so they've been making the case that there is a privacy right in Florida that includes the right to abort a pre-born baby in the womb. And that case finally got to the Supreme Court after many decades through this 15-week ban. So the Florida Supreme Court allowed the 15-week ban to go into effect, but then took 15 months to hear the case. So it was not until 15 months later that they even heard the case. They had one-hour oral arguments that they heard, and that was five months ago. That was last September, Mm -hmm. and they still had not rendered a decision. So because the Florida Supreme Court has not rendered a decision on whether or not the 15-week ban can continue, whether or not there is a right to privacy that includes the abortion decision, the six-week ban has not gone into effect.
2: So That's the right. Most,
0: one of the most frustrating things I've experienced, Mike, is when I hear all of the credit being given to the Florida legislature or governor for this amazing six-week ban that has yet to save the first pre-born life in Florida Right. and, 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 and has a 30-day waiting period after the court makes a decision on the 15-week ban. So we went through the entire 2023 without the six-week ban in place, which, granted, will save more lives. But the passage of Scripture that I read earlier from Proverbs 24-7 says, rescue those who are being taken away to death. And the problem with the six-week ban is that somewhere about 50% or more abortion deaths take place at or before six weeks gestation.
1: Mm-hmm. So, even
0: when a ban like that goes into effect, there's still going to be between 30 and 40,000 preborn human lives terminated in our state every year legally. So, there is so much riding on what the Supreme Court's going to decide, not only on the 15 week case, whether it's going to allow the six week ban to go into effect. But most immediately, the decision they're going to make on this abortion amendment, whether they're going to allow it to appear on the ballot. I want to pause. I know we're running out of time. I want to give you a chance to say a couple things, but then I want to say one more thing before we wrap up about what we need to be praying over with the court.
2: So the deadlines, just so that we all know, the deadlines, we're not sure of when the whole decision is going to be rendered for the six-week issue, but the deadline for the Uh, ballot thing is April 1. Is that right?
0: That's correct. By April 1st, we will know at the latest whether or not the Florida Supreme Court is going to allow the abortion amendment on the ballot. And the issue at hand is whether or not it meets the single subject rule, which the proponents of the abortion amendment say that it does, and the opponents say that it does not. And maybe more importantly, whether or not the language is clear and unambiguous or whether it's vague and and, and misleading, because the amendment deals with issues like viability and health of the patient rather than spelling out a specific gestational age and talking about the life of the mother. So there is a real case to be made that the language doesn't qualify. But here's the problem, and here's the part we have to be praying for with our Florida Supreme Court. I've heard this current court described as the most conservative pro-life court in the nation, and it may be. We will see. Yeah, right? we'll see. But here's, yeah. but here's the issue. The issue is this. They have two major decisions they have to render judgments on that are going to put them in the crosshairs of some angry abortion people if they make the decision that we want them to make. And they're humans. We can say they're black-robed just, justices that are— you know, blindfolded, and they're just going to make a constitutional decision. But they're humans that have to make a decision that they know is going to stir up the ire, potentially, of hundreds of thousands of pro-abortion advocates in the state. So we have to pray for courage, safety, a hedge of protection, and that they make a constitutional decision and not a political one, and that they do the right thing in the eyes of God and not in the eyes of man.
2: Wow, that's well said. Man, that's what we need to do. We've got um, we've got two minutes left. So, Mark, uh, when we think about that, our prayers need to be focused. We need to be specific. Uh, we we can actually uh, write letters to. Uh, our our congressmen here, I mean, our state representatives and the state senators, we need to get the word out that this is an important thing. Please do whatever we can do. But obviously, praying is something that we can do. Uh, mark Mink is the state chairman for this effort that it didn't hit the mark that he wanted. But, Mark, you have you have really brought glory to God in the way that you've lived. And I want to say again, on behalf of all of our listeners, thank you for your efforts and the way you've done this. Uh, again, I want to just say one more time, if you would like to give and help Mark and his team meet now the, the cleanup of all of the expenses that this five-year effort has brought, there are, uh, there are ways that you can do that. And it's as simple as donating to humanlifefl.com. That's human, H-U-M-A-N-L-I-F-E-F-L.com. Hit the donate button. Mark, I've got less than uh, a minute. Final word.
0: My final word is this. I want everybody listening that was involved in any way, shape, or form, whether you volunteered your time, whether you gave of your resources, whether you just signed a petition, I want you all to know this. Nothing that you did was in vain. None of our actions were in vain. Every Florida voter that signed a petition was standing in the gap, standing in proxy for a voiceless, vulnerable, preborn child. And the Lord sees it. It's not in vain. We connected with hundreds of thousands of people throughout the state. And while we didn't get the million plus petitions that we were seeking for, we connected with a lot of people.
1: Yes, and we're did. praying
0: for what, we can, what we're going to do next. And we would ask for your prayers for wisdom and discernment as we seek counsel and look in God's word to just really seek his heart for what we do with what we've learned uh, going forward. So Mike, thank you for everything you've done and for the opportunity to share with your Uh, listeners today. And uh, may God be glorified in all of this.
2: Absolutely. Mark Meek, thank you. And friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.